Welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to season two. My name is Aaron and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that will be joining me this season. One of them, all of you are familiar with, is the Asian sensation who is returning from hunting Bigfoot in Southeast Asia, Daniel Sun. Hey guys, what's going on? We also have a new host who is joining us. She is the sensation from a different nation who is Croatian. Everyone welcome Anna. Hey all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I am very excited for season two and what we all have in store for everyone. We have a ton of surprises, twists, and turns. So before we start today's episode, I have a few exciting announcements for everybody. But before I say them, I just want to say, like I always do, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you would like to help us out, uh, there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day, you could sign up for our Patreon and get an extra episode a week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to Patreon members only. Today, we actually released two Patreon exclusive episodes. We did one on dreams, everything about them, including us telling our most memorable and personal dreams. Also, the other Patreon we did was the, uh, Clinton body count. If you're into mysterious deaths and suicides, then that episode is perfect for you. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Today we officially launched our merchandise for sale. T-shirts, hats, socks, all that good stuff. And then feel free to go to our site, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the shop button, and there you can find it all. I just wanted to say that the money we get from Patreon and merchandise sales goes to bettering the show. For an example, better microphone, better audio interfaces, more audio hosting so that we can have room to record longer episodes. So it just goes right back into it. Also, I know things are tough out there right now. So if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes and that helps us out a lot. If you don't want to leave one though, that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. Also, on our site, you can click on the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail anonymously with your phone, and we will play it on the show each week. Ooh, man, that was some long announcements. I'm sorry. They won't be that long in the future. So how today's episode will go is that we will quickly go over what are aliens, a brief history of aliens and the first encounter of them, maybe take a trip in the Montauk chair, and then the different types of aliens, individuals, encounters, and stories with them, as well as listener-submitted stories. And then we will jump into strange facts and findings, theories about them, and then we will wrap it all up with our own thoughts and personal theories behind it all. So, with that being said, Danielson, can you tell us what are aliens? Aliens pretty much are what we describe to be living beings not of our world 
but from outer space and beyond. While alien encounters and abductions did not achieve widespread attention until the 1960s, many similar stories are known to have been circulating decades earlier. So that brings up the question, when was the world's first alien encounter? Many say that they came to help the Egyptians build the pyramids. Others say that Jesus or other religious prophets were actually aliens. While all of these are intriguing and interesting to think about, we get the first actual description of your typical gray alien in 1896. So instead of us talking about the 1896 encounter, let's go experience it ourselves. All right, Dan, uh, me and you, we're just going to have to wipe the dust off our Montauk chairs. Anna, yours is uh, brand spanking new, thanks to Daniel's son. Yeah, I had Bigfoot come in and help a little bit. You know, he owed me big time. Oh, so mine's like extra magical. I love the glistening purple color you gave me. Thank you, guys. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, <clears throat> Daniel added velvet seats to yours. So it's a lot more cushiony. We got these plastic seats, so. Yeah, prototype still. It's all right, though. Well, I'll definitely test this new model out for you, and I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. All right. So everyone hop into your Montauk chairs and set the location dial to Lodi, California. And then make sure you set the date dial to November 25th, 1896. All right. Everybody got their dial set? Yes. Just in time yeah. for Thanksgiving. Nice. And go. All right. Is everyone okay? I'm golden. Yes, that was a lot smoother than I thought it would be. Yeah, ours is all shaky. I want yours. Daniel, you're going to have to build me one of those. I'll get Bigfoot to help again. I'll probably have another broken hand. <laughs> it's like a Cadillac. There's something the smooth about a Cadillac. Yeah, we got a whoopty over here. Ours is falling <laughs> apart. <laughs> Anyways. All right, so you're probably wondering what the hell we're doing here. Standing on the side of a dirt road at around sunset. Well, uh, we aren't here for the sunset. I'll tell you exactly what we're here for. If you look to your left, this dirt road that's in front of us, it leads to a wooden bridge that is about 100 feet away from us. And if you look to the right, you will see in the far, far distance, a horse and carriage slowly heading towards us. You guys see that? Yeah, I could see that. Dude, that's old school. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're back in the day. There's no cars here. All right. So there are two individuals that are riding in that horse and carriage. Those two individuals are Colonel H.G. Shaw, along with his friend, Camille Spooner. Now, what they are about to encounter is mind-blowing. So when they get to right where we're standing on this road is where all of this goes down. So we have to hide in some bushes to watch and listen to what happens. So there's some bushes right there. Let's jump in them and let's watch what happens. Colonel H.G. Shaw and Camille Spooner are riding in their horse-drawn carriage heading to Fresco, California to put together an expedition to be displayed at the Fresco Citrus Fair. Well, I tell you what, Camille. This is a mighty fine horse you got for us here. 
Willa, Willa, I say thank you, Colonel. I'm just worried about us crossing that wooden bridge up ahead. Do you think it will hold up? I've crossed that wooden bridge quite a few times. We'll be just fine. All right, if you say so. As the horse and carriage get about 100 feet away from the wooden bridge, their horse comes to an abrupt stop and freezes with fright. Whoa! What in tarnation? Colonel, did you hear that? It sounds like someone is in the bushes to the left of us. As the colonel and Camille look towards the bushes, three strange human-like creatures appear standing in the middle of the dirt road in front of them. The colonel and Camille slowly turn their heads and look directly towards the beings. They are both in shock at what they are seeing. Colonel, uh, are, are you seeing what I'm seeing, man? My God, what are they? Are, are they human? I mean, they look human, like many respects, but they still are not like anything that I have ever seen before. God damn. Whatever they are, they're tall as hell. I bet all three of them are around seven feet tall. Look at them. They're super skinny. We can't take them in a fight. Let's get the hell out of here. Get! Get, horses! Get! They aren't budging! Damn. Well, it looks like we're going to have to get out and introduce ourselves then. What? Come on, Camille. Let's go say hi. If they try and whoop my ass, you got my back, right? Oh, hell no. Ah, well, come on. Get out of the carriage. Colonel and Camille step off the carriage and walk slowly up towards the three strange tall beings. Well, hello. Where are you fellas from? The colonel asked a question. Where are you boys from? The three beings seemed not to understand the colonel and Camille. They started looking towards each other and began making a warbling, monotonous, chant-type noise. What the hell? Are they talking to each other? Well... It sure seems like it. I don't think it's going to do us any good to try and conversate with them. Yeah, they keep staring at our horse and carriage. Do you think they want to eat our horse? Eat? the hell's wrong with you, Camille? Let's just watch and see what they do. But be ready. If they attack us, or our horse, then I'm attacking them back. The three strange beings began walking around the horse and carriage, inspecting everything very carefully. Oh, all right. Now they are closer to us. They look super weird. Look at their hands. They're so small. They're kind of like strong hands. And they're missing their fingernails. Goddamn, look at the feet. The hell are those? Those things are super big. They're like twice as long as my feet. And the toes, goddamn. Those are some... Those things are like some long-ass fingers. What in tarnation? It looks like they have better use of their feet than their hands. Similar to monkeys. They don't have any clothes on either. But some type of growth covering them, it doesn't look like hair or feathers. They don't have hair on their head either. And their ears, super small. Their noses look like polished ivory. Man, their eyes are so large, but their mouths, so small. Well, that's good for me. I don't think they got teeth. The beings each had a bag that they carried under their left arms that had a nozzle attached to it 
Every five or so minutes, one of them would place the nozzle into their mouth and breathe a type of gas, which made the sound of that similar to a person airing up a football. You see there, Colonel? It looks like they're... they're breathing some type of gas. Ah, yes. The three beings start to walk towards Camille and the Colonel. Oh, shit. Here they come towards us. Be ready. The beings begin to walk close to the Colonel. They stop directly in front of him. Oh, my God. He's standing right in front of us. I'm going to touch that son bitch. I'm going to touch him. No, don't do I'm it. A, I'm going to do it. Watch this. I'm going to touch him. The Colonel reached out and placed his hand under one of the beings' elbows. He gently pressed upwards. The creature started floating up in the air, while at the same time trying to grasp the ground with his feet to prevent him from floating up. These, these beings, they weigh absolutely nothing. Less than an ounce. And look at that, the skin is soft. It's like, it's like velvet. It's, it's soft as silk. I don't got a good feeling about this, Colonel. One of the beings held up his hand. Something the size of a hen's egg was inside of it. The being partly opened up his hand and it emitted the most remarkable, intense, and penetrating light one can imagine. Oh my god. That light is beautiful. I can't stop staring into it. The being closed his hand and motioned to the others. They surrounded the colonel. Oh goddamn, here we go boys. Here we go, come on. The beings began to try and lift the colonel. They're trying to lift me up. Get your hands off me, you dirty damn dirty apes. Get your hands off me! The beings were unable to move the colonel. They appeared to have no muscular power outside of being able to move their own limbs. The beings stepped away from the colonel and turned in the direction of the wooden bridge. That's right. You better look away from me. Colonel, they're flashing that light from their hands towards the bridge. What are they doing? As the light beamed from their hands emitted towards the wooden bridge, there resting in the air about 20 feet above the water was an immense ship. It was about 150 feet in length. The three beings walked quickly to the ship. A door opened on the side of it, and they disappeared within. The colonel and Camille continued to stand there in amazement. I think I'm going to throw a rock at it. Oh my god, I wouldn't do that. The colonel picks up a rock and throws it at the ship. The rock struck the side of the ship, but gave no sound. At that moment, the ship took off quickly and was soon out of sight. Now back to Aaron, Anna, and Danielson hiding in the bushes. So as you can see, that was pretty crazy, huh? I mean, we almost got caught. Whew. It was really close. Yeah, like they were looking right at us. So let's get back to the studio as quick as we can. Everyone, go! please go find their chairs right now. Got it. Found it. Found it. You good, Anna? You ready to go? No, how do you get... I can't figure out how to make it uninvisible. It just... It, yours is right here. Here, hop in it. It's right here. Oh, okay, thanks. All right. And go. Man, I am glad to be back in the studio. Yeah, that got really intense real quickly. Yo, he threw a rock at their ship, man. I know. 
Man, that was crazy. So what we just witnessed was a true story of what happened in 1896. I almost couldn't believe it when I was reading about it, but it really did happen. I thought it was super interesting and a good way to start off today's episode. That was only one encounter. Now, before we get into some other ones, I figured it would be best if we went over the different types of aliens. So let's go ahead and start that and kind of describe, because there's a whole bunch of different types of aliens, and we could describe each type so we get a better feel of them when we go into encounters. So, Anna, do you want to start us off with that? Yeah, for sure. You're right. There are a lot of different alien types. The first one I'm going to teach us about are the greys. These alien beings come from a star system known as Zeta Reticuli, which is a star system located somewhere in the southern celestial hemisphere and are thought to be one of the alien races in contact with Earth. At a little over 40 light years away, they're practically our closest neighbors. If we had to pick out one particular race in the cosmos and call them the bad guys, it would definitely be these guys. Tall and humanoid, with a long head and distinctive gray features, they are the most commonly depicted alien life form in our media and are also the beings that are most commonly described by alien abductees who have been returned to Earth. So the greys have a great tendency to be involved in abductions because they like to stockpile humans. They think of Earth the way that you would think of a chicken farm, just brimming with genetic material that they just can't wait to get their hands on. All right, the next group of aliens we have are the Sassanese. The Sassanese are a hybrid that was developed from reptilians and grey humans. Their development was found to be necessary after the greys mutated themselves through genetic experimentation to a point where they could no longer reproduce using conventional means, alien sex, and were only able to spawn new generations by cloning themselves. Cloning is well and good if you want to create new beings, however, it gives no genetic variation over successive generations, which lead to problems. So they came to Earth and convinced a few people to share our genetic information with them. From this genetic crossover, the universe was blessed with an entirely new type of being, the Sassanese, who in a way are like our interstellar cousins. They were then given their own planet and allowed to roam free and evolve into the best beings that they can be. The Sassanese have a stronger connection with their higher selves and are believed to be where humans will one day be, although they are millennia ahead of us. That's what I want to be as a Sosny. No kidding. Yeah, maybe I already am. I think you are. I think so too. So the next one on the list is the Archurians. Of all the species known to inhibit the Milky Way, the Archurians are the most ancient and the wisest. They are said to be one of the alien races in contact with Earth. Basically, if Yoda came from any one of these alien species on the list, it would probably have been this one. Theirs was the first system to be given the gift of life in our galaxy. They've mutated and evolved over time and now exist in many forms. The main race of Archurians stand to about five feet with green skin and large dark eyes. This race's development of their minds rather than their bodies made them small in stature, so you could probably take one of them in a fistfight. However, their advanced intelligence mean that if any alien species out there knows how to use the Force from Star Wars, well, it's these guys. 
Thankfully, they do have a reputation for being the most kind and loving beings in the galaxy. Well, they sound like they would be nice to me. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably try to poke their big eyes. Probably try to pull their teeth out wear it oh. as a necklace. Well, you do have a fascination with teeth. I do. It's some weird thing. Oh, okay, so uh, the Blue Avians, they're a type of alien that have been known since ancient Egypt and have said to be involved in some of the construction of some of ancient Egypt's architecture. They're eight feet tall and have a resemblance to a blue humanoid bird. They tend to speak telepathically and tend to make introductions through dreams using a form of sign language. They may even use light through physical touch to communicate as well. They will typically make physical contact after they have been invited to appear in the physical reality. They use a blue sphere as a form of transportation and can teleport at will to Earth. Unlike with various other different alien species, they do not abduct humans and do not seem to have any intentions of invasion. They tend to simply want open conversations with people, acting as guides to human ascension and spiritual evolution. Alright, the next one we have up is the Yael. This is one of the alien races in contact with Earth and is known to be kind and loving, and they have been touted as the best beings to make first contact with us due to their advanced and harmonious relationship with technology. The Yael's know that we're not the friendliest beings out there, so they're taking their time to make themselves known by easing their way into our psyches with friendly UFO sightings such as the March 1997 sighting known as the Phoenix Lights that they claim responsibility for. During that event, they gave thousands of people across the state of Arizona a spectacular light show in the sky, and there's even a video for anybody who missed it. Mm. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about the Phoenix Lights, just Google Jeff Woolwine. Good shout out. Yeah. The next race we're going to talk about is the Anunnaki. So if human beings were able to successfully colonize another planet, what would be the first thing we'd do? Well, of course, we'd pillage it for resources, which is exactly what the Anunnaki did when they arrived to Earth. They came from planet X, a.k.a. Nibiru, a planet that is believed to rotate around the sun on a very wide elliptical orbit that takes it far out into the expanses of space before coming back in for a close shave with our sun. This crazy elliptical orbit is what makes its presence so hard to prove. However, the presence of the Anunnaki has been noted down in texts that date back to Mesopotamian cultures. They are believed to be one of the alien races in contact with Earth. On the Biru's last brush with the planets of the inner solar system, it crashed into another rock and the resulting collision created a planet that we now call Earth. While their planet was here, a few of the Anunnaki decided to hop off of their world and onto ours in search of a yellow element that they call gold. Have you ever wondered why gold is so valuable? Yeah, it's shiny, but it doesn't have anything useful, like it doesn't heal the sick or produce energy. So why do we as a species desire it so much? Maybe it's because of the advertising so much and people play it up and they try to get you to buy it. Or, eh, we desire it so much just because the Anunnaki desire it, supposedly. And while they were here, they enlisted us as their workforce slaves to mine it for them. That's right, our entire existence is based on working our socks off every day so that our alien overlords can have their fix of gold and other precious metals. Actually sounds pretty accurate. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're the shadow government. They're the cabal. So when you said yellow element, I thought you were saying that they were after Asians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God dang. Come get me. <laughs> they would totally they would totally snatch you up, Daniel. Mm. Oh, look at that good yellow element right there. <laughs> he would be more like a pale yellow since he's mixed. Yeah. You're welcome, guys. I'm here all week. The Anunnaki were one of the alien races in contact with Earth, and we were not the first race involved in the racket of mining materials on our little blue planet. Before them came the Alpha Draconians. Standing at up to 22 feet tall, these badass beings are made up of pure muscle and resemble dinosaurs and fucking dragons. As you can imagine, they were very unhappy when the Anunnaki showed up and took over. However, they are still active on our planet with puppets placed in high echelons of government as they bide their time in an attempt to take over once again. My question is, where the hell are these 22 feet tall beings being held at? Yeah. Underground caves? Hollow Earth in the middle of Earth? Yeah. Uh-oh, hollow Earth. On the yep. edge of flat Earth? Ooh. They gotta be somewhere. It's hard to hide that. Yeah, imagine how intimidating that must be. You got some, like, transformer-looking beings coming out. Pure muscle. And they're like, hey, we're about to fight the Anunnaki who's about to come by on Planet X. You guys ready? I'm like, what? The- what? We're just mining gold for them. You guys leave us alone. That's like some of the reptilian shit you talked about in the early seasons or early uh, episodes. Yep. Which brings us to... Oh. Our next ones are the reptilians. Before the Anunnaki stopped by and genetically engineered a bipedal workforce to dig up dirt for them, there was a race of intelligent beings who lived here and is thought to be one of the alien races in contact with Earth. We know them as the reptilians. Scaly and standing about the size of a human being, they were driven underground by the Anunnaki where they are said to still reside today in a network of complex underground tunnels. Ooh. Now that we have a better grasp and understanding about some of the alien races, let's hop into the juicy stuff, okay? Let's get into some encounters. So the first encounter that we have is called the Gundia McKay abduction. This is probably this is probably one of my favorite ones because it's one of the ones that make you go, ooh, that's odd. So, Anna, do you want to tell us about that one? Yes, I will. In October of 2001, Amy Rylance, then 22, her husband Keith and her friend Petra were at their home in Gundia, Australia. Their friend Petra woke up at 11.15 at night and went into the living room where she was horrified to find Amy being carried in a sleeping position out through the window. She was on a beam of light, and it was taking her to a, quote, huge ship outside. Petra woke Keith, but by the time he entered the room, Amy was gone. The curtain was torn, the bushes outside were burnt, the pair called the police, who struggled to take the claim seriously. However, around 90 minutes later, Keith received a phone call from a woman in McKay, Queensland, an eight-hour drive from Gundia. She said she was with Amy, who was at the hospital, dazed and dehydrated, 
No one could explain how she had traveled such a distance in just that little bit of time. Amy was uninjured except for red marks on her upper thighs and heels. She said she remembered lying on a bed with tall figures leaning over her, reassuring her and taking samples from her. When she was found, her body hair had grown considerably, suggesting that she had been gone for much longer than a few short hours that she was actually missing. When I read that one, I was like, okay, number one, she snuck out, and this is the most plausible explanation I can have for this, okay? She snuck out when her husband went to sleep. Petra covered for her, okay? She snuck out, got into a private jet with her lover. They made sweet, sweet love in the bathtub, and it was really cold on the plane, so it caused her hair to grow fast, and then he just dropped her off in a random place where they parked to have dinner and was like, see ya, I'm done with ya. Drove away, flew away, caused her to go into shock because she was upset. Goes to the hospital and or calls Petra and says, hey, you need to make up this story. And then Petra's like, I'm going to go burn the grass outside and then say you were carried off by an alien. That's more believable. So to be realistic, that's some fuckery afoot, man. That's very weird. 90 minutes later and she's eight hours away. I don't know how that's possible, but I will say. There's a good chance she had just got out the shower after shaving her legs, and the minute she got out, all of her hair grew back, grew back because let me tell you, that happens every fucking time. You t- as a woman who shaves her legs, it is smooth in the shower, and the minute you walk out, you already got stubble. You're like, how did that happen? I literally took one step out the shower. Same thing happens to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not even fair. Oh, man. Yeah. But anyways, I thought that was a good story. That was pretty good. Yeah. Interesting. It's super interesting. So what are the red marks on her upper thighs and heels? Mm. From her fucking? No, I don't. Yeah, a new position. Honestly, I I mean, what? Grab by the heels, then by the thighs, get that thrusting, or she's in some kinky shit and that's part of like the rope being tied on her? Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. That could have been. I could see it. Let's move on to Jesse Long. All right. So this is the abduction of Jesse Long. Jesse Long was just five years old when he said he was abducted by aliens for the first time. He was exploring the woods with his brother when they came upon a round structure in a clearing. A tall figure appeared and paralyzed the boys. Jesse remembers being taken into a craft and placed on a cold table. He could feel the figures around him poking and prodding his legs. Over the next few years, Jesse said he was abducted repeatedly. He claims he was experimented on, including having his sperm extracted that was used to crossbreed with a female alien. In 1990, he says the aliens presented him with a baby, which they said was his. He also met nine more of his hybrid children. Jesse, now 65, says he knows many people won't believe his story, but he insists he is telling the truth. Whoa. We're all wondering how they extracted his semen. I know you're wondering that, you perverts. Uh, I'm wondering the same thing. I had to go back and think. He was five years old when they did that to him? No, 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 no. So the first time, oh my God, the first time they abducted him 
was he was five. But over okay. the next years, many years, they kept abducting him repeatedly and repeatedly. So this is no like Jeffrey Epstein aliens, okay? I was going to say pedophiles go all the way to the top top. <laughs> all the way to space. Yes. We can't escape them. So did he ever get a picture of his baby? Did they even have a names? You'd think, he, I mean, he's probably like, look, I don't want to pay child support or galaxy support. I mean, could you imagine being those kids and then being like, yeah, I went to go see my daddy on Earth. He can't come. <laughs> <laughs> he can't come over here because he's just not advanced enough. <laughs> Do you know what it's like to grow up without a father in an intergalactic world? They go on their own version of fucking Maury. Yeah. You are not the father. <laughs> no yeah. shit. That's a very interesting story, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got a lot more coming. All right, our next story. Betty and Barney Hill in 1961. The Barney and Betty Hill case is almost universally considered the most famous case ever reported abduction. Barney and Betty Hill were driving back from a holiday in Niagara Falls in September of 1961. They noticed a light in the sky which got closer and eventually appearing as a huge shape hovering above their car. Barney got out, said he saw 11 humanoid figures in shiny black uniforms and capes that were just watching them. Terrified, the couple drove off. However, they both claimed to have experienced a buzzing sensation, and when they finally arrived home at dawn, the four-hour journey had taken seven hours. The hill's clothes were torn in strange places, and Betty found a mysterious pink powder on her dress, she began having intense dreams about the experience in which skin samples were taken from her and a needle thrust into her navel. Later, she drew a star map which she said she had been shown by the aliens. Barney and Betty Hill were respected in their community. Barney was involved in the civil rights movement and Betty was a social worker. No one had any reason to suspect them of lying. Yeah, this is like the most well-known case of abduction. For sure. Imagine that. Crazy it's gotta be seeing eleven humanoids in shiny black uniforms and capes watching them. The alien version of Men in Black. Yeah. <sighs> Whoa. I would have booked it. I would do the same thing they did. I would have been fucked up for life because I would have been sitting there looking at them thinking, What else is out there? If I just saw that, I know I saw that, then what else is there? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm interested to know what that uh pink powder was it was probably you know what i know what it was uh-oh it was a powdered fun dip and she went in to eat some of that with the stick you know what i mean and it got her dress fell on her dress and she totally forgot about it because she just saw some aliens yes Anna out here solving it fun dip was the shit you know it's tradition because when daniel's son came upon the show and graced us with his asian sensation he solved the Dominican Republic uh, murders. And so now my time has come. You solved the Betty and Barney Hill case. Yes. Oh. So we're going to get into Travis Walton's abduction. It was 1975 in November. Six forestry workers in Arizona reported seeing their colleague Travis Walton blasted through the air in a beam of light from a UFO above the trees. The workers reported Walton missing, but five days later, Walton reappeared, claiming that he had been abducted by aliens. He described 
waking on a table, surrounded by small figures in orange gowns. Their skin was smooth and chalky, and their bald heads were too large for their bodies. They had huge, shiny brown eyes. Walton escaped through the aliens and fled through the ship. He eventually met more humans on board, dressed in blue uniforms. They didn't speak to him, but forced a gas mask onto his face, so he lost consciousness. Walton claims the next thing he remembers was waking up, shaky and confused, on the roadside in Arizona. You think he was like walking or he woke up on the side of the road and he had these memories. Do you think he sat there and thought to himself, are they going to believe me when I tell them this? Oh, yeah. If you have the word alien in any sort of story, you're going to have to second guess saying it, even though it may be real. At the same time, you may have a really vivid dream and swear that it w- you were there, this happened, and it never actually happened, or at least not in this universe. So, I don't know. I think I know what happened here. Let's hear it. It it was the very first one of the first things you said. Forestry workers. These guys were out in the woods and they ran up on some fucking bad mushrooms. Probably Anamita muscarias. They probably ate a bunch of them. And fucking Travis, he wasn't like flying through the sky or nothing. He was butt ass naked running through the woods. And they're just like, oh, there goes Walt. He's just flying through the air so fast. Oh, I like your theory, Dan. I, I like it too. All right, now let's get into the Jonathan Reed story. So let me start off by saying this is going to sound super crazy as I read it, okay? And it's been called a hoax based off of a TV show attempt at replicating it. So we will have a link to show you side-by-sides and let you come to your own conclusion and what you guys decide. But uh, Jonathan Reed was a child psychiatrist in Seattle in 1996 and worked at the University of Washington. Uh, One October afternoon, Jonathan Reed was walking his dog Susie down a normal path that they take by the woods. Well, Susie took off into the woods, which wasn't out of the ordinary. She would usually just go and investigate a sound or a smell and would always come back when Jonathan called her. What was different this time is that the dog was barking. It sounded like it was getting into a fight with something. So, Jonathan ran into the woods where he had heard his dog, hoping that a mountain lion wasn't trying to kill his dear Susie. When he got to her, what he saw was her entangled with a creature trying to fight it off. Then the creature, uh, warning, it doesn't get any better from here, grabbed Susie's jaws and tore her in two, ripping her spine out and all. Her remains ended up immediately turning to white ash on the floor. Jonathan was so angered by this, all he wanted to do was to kill the thing. So while this was happening, he grabbed a big stick and ran over and hit the being in the back of the head. The moment that he did that, he became extremely disoriented and nauseous. He was recording the alien and throwing up at the same time. He had a camera on him because when he went on walks, he would often take uh, pictures and video of nature. That's what he loved to do. So, of course, he had his camera in his bag. 
So all this information came from pictures that he's got posted and we'll give you lots of links. But anyways, so during this encounter, he looked up to see a black floating obelisk. It was about three feet off the ground, just up the hill. He went and took pictures all around it and even did a 360 video. Ultimately, what happens is he puts this creature who he calls Freddy in, in his truck and takes him home. And then he records himself examining Freddy, moving the head side to side, looking at the wound that he had on the back of the head, he being Freddy. Um, he opened up the eyes and was like playing in there, you know, trying to like fill him out. And even in the video, the alien gets red eye, which I don't know if you guys know how that happens in photos, but basically... The only way to get a red eye in a photo is to have an actual retina because the red eye is the light reflecting from the back of your eye, and that's what you're seeing. Hypothetically, you can't fake a red eye. I actually haven't looked into that entirely, but I, it makes sense. You'd have to have an actual eye to have that effect. Did not know that. Just something to think about. Um, he also opened up this alien's mouth, and you could hear it making sounds. It was super creepy, stuff you've never heard before. Highly recommend listening to the audio for this video. Uh, later on, the alien becomes a bit less dazed, and the audio that was recorded from that is kind of terrifying to hear. It sounds extremely pissed off. Uh, you could hear it throwing a cup in one of the videos. So Rita ends up putting this alien in his freezer. And at one point, he opens it, and the sound that the thing made, I swear it sounded like a demon if I ever heard one. It was, it gave me chills to my bones hearing it in real life. Um, I'm going to see if I can find that. I haven't been able to yet, but I'm going to dig a little deeper. But if I find that, I will 100% link that on the Twitter, and I'll give it to you guys, the uh, link as well. Yeah, we'll link it on all social medias. Yeah. Boom. So Reed ultimately had to leave his house, and when he came back, there were black vans in his driveway, and Freddy was gone. They told him, never speak of this again, and to act like it never happened. He ends up having his whole identity wiped. They fucking Bob Lazard him. And he had no bank account, no college degree, no job. Some people have even come out to say that they uh, were told not to acknowledge that he ever existed. A co-worker he had and a bank teller who saw him all the time. Uh, she even was reprimanded for arguing against the men um, and was threatened for saying that she knew. She's like, no way. I know this fucking dude. He comes in all the time. He pays his bill. Da, 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 da. No. So what he had left from this encounter were the pictures the videos, and what we're going to talk about now, a Link artifact. Link, L-I-N-K, artifact. That came off of Freddy during their fight. The Link artifact is a cuff, bracelet, armor-type looking device that is gold and has three small gold pins underneath with emerald spears at the base of each pin that pierce the wearer's skin and three key nerves in their forearm. Weighing only 170.30 grams, it was found to be made of a composite mostly of a radical mixture of silicon polymer, beryllium, aluminium, manganese, 
copper, zinc, bismuth, gold, and some unknown elements currently unrecognizable by man's standards. Once put on, it forms to fit the wearer. Reed, of course, tried this out. Because, like, why wouldn't you? Fucking, it's armor. Put that bitch on, man. Come on. He mentioned noticing issues he had with his body somehow been altered or changed. He explained that every time he wore this Link artifact, he was welcomed by a golden angel light, and it was named Elder. He's quoted saying, It's amazing and so wonderfully tender. Each time I've been in its presence, it becomes almost painfully depressing when they send me back to our dimensional reality. It's almost impossible to comprehend this. I never imagined there would be such tender, yet powerful, unconditional, compassionate love. Just thinking of it now makes me begin to weep. I certainly do know we continue after this human condition is finished. I've been there. I've seen it. I've personally, physically experienced it. I know there is life after death. He has been shot. He's been threatened. People he cares about have mysteriously died and have gone missing. But at the end of the day, he says that his story is no one else's and he doesn't care if people believe him because he knows what he saw. But I've, I've just known about the story for a really long time and I've always believed it. And as I got older, I decided to research it again and found so much stuff saying about it being a hoax. And I, I don't know, after I looked into it, I saw a lot of misinformation. You had a TV show try to tell you that this wasn't real. I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, I'm always for people doing their own investigating, right? Mm -hmm. You look and, and you form your own opinions. Don't base your opinions off of other people's stuff. That's why we tell you on the show, look, we'll give you the information, but go verify it for yourself and then form your own opinion as well. We'll tell you our opinions, but don't base your opinions just off our opinions. Form your own. And if if you think ours is the best and you come to the same conclusion, then that's awesome, you know, but I, I don't really that's why I don't really trust the media. I don't, I don't really even like um, what's that site Snopes or whatever. I don't I don't yeah. really like that site, but no. Yeah, that Snopes will tell you that Jonathan Reed's story is a hoax, too. <sighs> I know. It's just... Reading Snopes is like believing the weatherman. Ah! That's a good comparison. I like that. And here they come after me now. The weatherman or Snopes? Both. Oh, my God. Anyways. All right, this next story we're going to go over is Jessie Rustenberg. She lives in Staffordshire, England, and in, weirdly enough... Same month of the year as Reed, October of 1954, she had her first alien encounter. One of the earliest recorded sightings in the UK, uh, the family would ultimately have six encounters total. Honestly, we didn't think we could do her genuine storytelling enough justice, so we're going to play this video of her uh, telling her personal story, and we'll include a link of this video to all of our social medias. So we're going to play that story right now. Staffordshire's had a whole crop of flying saucers. Spots in the sky, lights in the sky, strange things. But the strangest of all was seen one day over this cottage. Mr. and Mrs. Rustenberg were living there, quietly, out in the country. And, well, what, you just tell me what you saw. Well, this was one ordinary day. I 
was waiting for my husband to come home from work and my two sons went to Cypher to school and I was getting changed and I heard this terrific noise. It was just like a giant cauldron of water being poured onto a, a fire, a shh sort of noise, you know. And my first reaction was, oh, the children. I thought maybe a plane was crashing or something like that. And I uh, slipped my jumper on and went outside to find my two sons lying flat on the ground in the garden in front of the house, shouting, mummy, mummy, there's a flying saucer. Well, naturally, I just said, come on, don't be stupid. Come in the house. But felt sort of a strange sensation. Uh, wended my way up the side of the house to where we had a pump where we used to get all our water from and um, automatically looked up to see this all I can describe this huge Mexican hat it was stationary this thing and it was bright silver in color and it had a dome a dome it was tilted to sort of I could see the occupants in it you saw people in it? I saw people in it. There were two people in there. Um, these people were beautiful people. That's the only way I can des describe them. Um, they had long golden hair, like a pageboard page bob, just like the old kings. You used to see photographs of the old kings. And the, the color of the hair was golden. Now, I was really... What I, were they dressed in? They, they had a sort of a pole neck jumper affair, like a skeet top suit, mm. in, in pale blue. Now, these people weren't sat behind, one behind the other, they were sat together, but this, whatever it was, was tilted so that I could see them and they could see me. Were you looking at them through windows, through portholes? Um, no, not portholes, it was just sort of the, like a cockpit, I suppose, that had this perspective or glass or whatever it was they could see me anyway and I could see them and um, they were uh, they had beautiful faces I shall never forget their faces as long as I live their foreheads seemed to be a, a bit larger than you know the the bottom of their faces as as normal people you would expect to see but um, maybe this is was just the whatever they had around their heads which was like a transparent fishbowl and they just looked, and I was absolutely paralytic with fear. I couldn't move, although my mind was ticking over. And they looked so sympathetic that I was just mesmerized for what seemed to be, oh, ages, but it could have only been seconds. And I turned to sort of look down at the boys, was unaware that they were with me because I was so absorbed. And the next thing, I looked up, and it was gone. How low had it been? It had been the, the height, I couldn't tell you. But the house that you've seen, it was just on top of the roof. It was hovering on top of the, the roof. How big was it compared with the size compared, of the house? It, it, it swallowed the, the whole circumference of, of the roof. I couldn't see. The roof was completely blotted out. The chimneys, I couldn't see. All I could see was this massive uh, object that I described as a, like a Mexican's hat, a Mexican hat without the bubbles. And then it flew away sideways or upwards? No, it, I, I didn't see. I just looked up and it had gone. But I assume it went straight up 
because for a short while after in the sky I looked around and I said to my two boys well, can you see anything? Can you see anything? And they said, there it is, Mum. And they pointed up, and I watched it. It was just like a little cotton meal in the sky. And it circled us three times. It went round three times, and then it just shut off. And that was it. When I started to analyse my, myself afterwards, I feared that I might have had a, an hallucination. But then I knew I, I hadn't had, because my sons were so sure about what they'd seen and what I'd seen. And I went, it went through my mind that it was a secret uh, weapon from Russia. And then I thought, well, it can't be that, because if they had something like that, they wouldn't need to fear anybody or anything. Were you but, scared by it? Did you run indoors? Oh, I was petrified. I couldn't move. I couldn't move a muscle. I was paralyzed with fear. But um, now I wouldn't be. Because now, when I look back, you know, I think, what, what, what an amazing thing to have happened, and for me to have seen it. And when your husband came home, where were you? Well, when my husband came home from the office, I was locked in the house with my children, under a big kitchen table that we were using. Under the table? Under the table, yes. It's funny now, when I look back, you know, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but this is the truth. This happened. And that's it. We were ridiculed, it was very embarrassing at the time, and people, they, they possibly thought, oh, she's a nutter, but you know, who cares? It, this is something that's happened to me, and I'm a practically-minded person, and that's it. She looks like an alien. I know, do you see that picture I put underneath, too? This looks like she's hiding gigantic eyes behind those fake, small eyes. Uh, yeah, and the fact that they had six separate sightings, they probably were visited a lot more than that. Yeah, she looks like an alien. Super interesting that she saw the golden-type haired humanoid-looking aliens. It's the same type that is rumored that the Nazis had originally seen and who they were collabing with. Now, there is also another rumor that since they were collabing with those, that the United States took an alliance with the Greys, and the whole World War II was actually the Greys versus the Aryan aliens or whatever. Whoa. So, that's why Hitler wanted everyone to have blonde hair and blue eyes, even though he didn't have it. That's why he was calling them the superior race. It wasn't the white people. Oh. It was the aliens. Oh. oh, dude, I've never heard this. And now I want to go dig into it because that makes, yeah, a ton of sense. Yeah, I think we have a an episode about the Nazi space program. Mm -hmm. Little tickle, tickle, tickle teaser. So now that picture down below... With, I guess that's her with her two boys that were saying that they saw the saucer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron, what you doing back back then, boy? What you doing that looking at the camera? Oh, oh. it does kind of look like me a little bit when I was a kid. <laughs> Actually, holy shit, that does look like me when I was a kid. Do you remember this happening? No. Blonde hair, blue eyes? Is it Aaron? Uh, what? Mm -hmm. you, you an alien over there? You, <laughs> you the supreme race? <laughs> Anyways, that, that, I mean, she was super convincing. In telling her story. I mean, to me, she was. 
for sure. And she was really detailed. Um, she's even got like drawings of where things were. And every time she tells the story, it's exactly the same. So this story goes a little deeper. There was an author named Gavin Gibbons, and all of these sightings caught his attention. So Gibbons wrote a 1956 book titled The Coming of the Spaceships. It goes over the spike of UFO sightings that began in June of 1954 in the Stafford area and devotes two chapters to the story of the Rustenbergs, which he regarded as the most informative and in some ways astounding of all the sightings. He spent so much time talking to the family, he would ultimately become friends with them and visit while in the area. Damn. Interesting. Right. You're like a, <laughs> you're a writer who has regulars that you go see for alien encounters. Like, what's up? You got anything new for me this week? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a second sighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the second sighting happened about a week later on October 24th. Her husband, Tony, had a friend over and had this feeling the UFO had left something on the roof. So he went on top and saw nothing. Yet he remained on the roof, looking at the sky. Soon his premonition came true. He would see a UFO come in, hover above his home again, but this one was shaped like a cigar. Jesse told Tony that that one was different than the one she saw the previous week. Because then, there was a third sighting. Mm-hmm. By this point, Tony couldn't stop looking up at the sky. About a month later, he would see what he described as a fireball floating across the sky, getting lower and lower. In the background, he could hear a plane, and when the plane got close to the ball of fire, it shot up immediately into the sky and disappeared. It's kind of weird. It's, I find it interesting that they have seen different versions of UFOs. They've been blessed. And I'm over here trying to just find one. Well, mm-hmm. I did see one, but that's for our UFO episode. Ooh. I saw it over Austin, Texas, but we'll oh, save that, that one. one. Yeah, and I have picture proof of that one. Whoa. So we'll cover that one whenever we cover UFOs, but it is very weird. Did I ever show you that picture, Anna? No. Do, how convincing is that, Daniel? It is very convincing. I got to see it. Send it my way. Uh, after we record, I'll, I'll send it to you because it, it is the weirdest looking thing in the sky I've ever seen. Well, I'll definitely, I have some UFO or weird shit I've seen in the sky type of stories to do for our UFO episode as well. Nice. So, like we were talking about, Gibbons became pretty good friends with the family and he'd make visits whenever he was in the area to get any updates on uh, possible new stories from them. He said when he went to visit them last, The family was noticeably changed. The daughter, Karen, was constantly crying. The two boys were unruly, and they had never been that type of way before. And even Jessie herself was being kind of unpleasant. I mean, you guys heard her in that video. She sounded like a super sweet lady. Yeah, 100%. So she had developed a rash on her face and her arms and mentioned how this all started after the first sighting. So come May of 1955, the family had moved to a new home, and Gibbons noted that the family was much better on this visit. He asked Tony 
what had made the difference. And Tony almost sounded like they were fleeing a haunted house. Quote, that old cottage, ever since that UFO hovered over it, something snapped there and almost made us snap too. The move had made the family totally different, and that's a fact. Gibbons asked if Tony had seen any more UFO sightings. And Tony replied, Not since that last one, but I'm still looking. They would see three more saucers even after they moved, and one of which was seen by their daughter, Karen. If you had read the paper at the time, it would be something like, Sightings in the Stafford area are still taking place. On December 5th, 1956, Mrs. Rustenberg was called into the garden of their Stafford home by Karen. A bright orange disc, probably a Vimana or scout ship, was overhead. Seen by neighbors, it disappeared in the direction of Seifert. Now on to January 1957. An orange glowing cigar-shaped Vunu was seen by many people flying northwards over Stafford towards Stoke and Trent. Witnesses include Tony, Jesse, and Karen, and Mrs. Daniels, wife of Wilford Daniels, the Stafford UFO expert. On May 13, 1957, a silvery Vunu was seen over the west of Stafford by a near neighbor, Miss Violet Wilding, and several other witnesses in the area. I also read, and this might be controversial, but that she felt that she had a little bit of a psychic ability. Um, But she would never say she was a full-blown spiritualist. She would refer to herself as having spiritual manifestations of some special sort. And she admitted that her aunt practiced uh, psychic healing. So really, needless to say, this family has had a shit ton more sightings than the average person. And have really good conversations for St. George's Day. You kind of wonder, is it a blessing or a curse to have that many sightings as a family? It almost sounded like they had some, like, um, they picked up some radioactive dose, you know? Skin turning red. Yeah. Mm, a little nauseated, a little aggravated. And they, they probably were abducted a little bit, too. They just don't know it. Yeah, I'm, I bet you're right. All right, so those are some pretty interesting encounters. Some crazy stuff. We do have a personal submitted story that is from an individual named Hector. He gave us permission to share his story. He sent a picture along with it, too. He goes, hi, I'm 26 years old and I've had sleep paralysis twice in my life. But the first time was more intense. Uh, It started with my radio turning on and I remember the song that was playing. It was the rhythm of the night. And then I couldn't move or yell. I could only look around. Eventually, after a while, I could move and everything was fine. But the weird thing about that is that a couple of days later, I realized what I had, uh, what looks like four scoop marks in a row coming downwards on my hand. I will be attaching a photo of it. Maybe one of your listeners has the same thing. Maybe not, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Anyways, 
Thanks for y'all's time, and I love the show. Keep it up. So he was saying that it's a... He, he puts in the subject, possible alien abduction scoop marks. Let me save this image, and I'll shoot it over to you guys on Discord right now. So I just sent you all the picture. You can click on it to enhance it. But you can see the four small scoop marks that are probably about the size of a head of a pin. Or like a fork. Um, That does look like the mark of a fork. God damn it, Hector. Why do you have a fork in the bed, Hector? You eating in bed? Man, come on now. So we'll get it around. We'll get this picture all up on our social medias for you guys to go take a look at. Yes. And Hector... I'm sorry if I offended you. I mean, those could be very small scoop marks from your uh, wrist. I don't know. Well, hey, hey, like the um, arm piece thing. It yeah. had three oh, things yeah. that stabbed in you. And that's it was on the wrist area, right? It was on the forearm. Forearm? Okay. Well, maybe they have like a wrist thing for shackles that stabs yeah. in right there. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Oh, just, the, just a thought. Just a thought. Well, Hector. I guess we'll find out. The internet sleuths are on to you. <laughs> but uh, thank you for the email, and we love you. Hector, I appreciate you taking the time to send us that. You're awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Hector, for the email, though. All right, so now we'll go over theories. Dan, do you want to cover the first theory? Yes. So our first theory that we came across is that aliens are demons. What if the beings we call aliens are not the good guys. By many accounts, alien-human interaction involves aliens tormenting people. The little gray guys are reported to sneak into people's rooms at night, abduct them, conduct painful, pleasurable examinations, <laughs> and wipe their memories of the incident. We tend to believe they are visitors from some other planet, but maybe that's not true. If these are instead demonic entities bent on torturing people and convincing them they are crazy, the UFO scam would be a pretty good way to go about it. Remember the saying, the devil's greatest trick is to convince us he doesn't exist. UFO sightings begin to increase as people become more interested in technology over the past 60 years or so. Are demonic beings taking advantage of this and using our interest in technological advancement against us? Of course, there is no evidence that aliens are actually demonic entities, but it stands to reason if demons really exist, they may use any tactic available to bring sorrow to mankind. God and his angels may well be aliens, misinterpreted by ancient people. I see it from the other side. Jesus was an alien, right? I mean, the man walked on water, right? Exactly from my mother's mouth. My mother said, quote, end quote, don't tell people I told you that Jesus was an alien. Hey, everybody in the world, my mom told me that growing up. My mom is an alien, I'm telling you guys. Eastern Europe has had a ton of shit go down with alien stuff. Just saying. I mean, Jesus did turn water into wine. Now, why mm -hmm. would he be turning water into alcoholic beverage for people? Come on now. Mm. And if you think about, you know, the Bible says that supernatural beings came from above and did all this crazy shit that was beyond their capabilities. I'm just saying, I think that angels are aliens. But, you know, we can hypothesize about a lot of things. Yeah. Like this one, which is kind of crazy, but I'm going to tell you anyways, because I like to keep your mind open. So aliens come from the center of the earth. The earth is hollow, and inside there is another world. 
The entrances to this world are at the poles, and through these openings, the inhabitants come out and explore our side of the globe. What people are seeing and calling UFOs are the ships piloted by the inner Earth inhabitants. This is called Hollow Earth Theory. Back in 1947, explorer Admiral Richard E. Byrd reportedly flew into the Earth while attempting to fly over the North Pole. Inside, he met a race of people who gave him some advice to pass along to the rest of humanity and then sent him on his way. He recorded all of this in his diary, which eventually became public knowledge. The aliens come from inside of our hollow Earth. They are an advanced race who are caretakers of the planet, and they are watching us closely. Aaron, wasn't that like part of your theory? Wait, we haven't, we haven't done that episode, do we? So a long time ago, back in season one, we did a flat Earth episode that we never aired, along with the vaccines and a bunch of other episodes that were never aired that are destroyed for mankind to never hear again. But one of my theories was that it was not flat, that the Earth was hollow, and I talk about Admiral E. Byrd and his experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm really familiar with the hollow Earth. Great theory. Fun to think about. It is. But my favorite one, my favorite theory probably, is the time-traveling theory. Now this time-traveling theory is that UFOs are time machines and aliens are time travelers. So what if aliens aren't from another planet at all? What if they are us? What would we be like if we continued to evolve for another million years or so? I mean, we're already less reliant on our physical bodies and we're using our minds more than any other time in history. If this trend continues, would we evolve to see our bodies shrink and our heads remain large to support our big brains? Would we lose more of our hair since we really have no practical use for it? Would we begin to look like the gray aliens so many people report seeing? Could aliens really be evolved humans coming back to study what to them is the ancient past? I mean, there's a lot of good things that we can think and hypothesize about here. Yeah, that's one that I feel pretty strongly towards. As far as when I think about aliens, um, I never imagined the UFO as a time-traveling device, but now that got me thinking. I really do think that 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 could be accurate. I mean, we've never seen a time machine, and for some reason we think it's like a telephone booth or something. Now, a flying spaceship makes a lot more sense. So you're telling me, though, that our Montauk chairs, if we work on a little bit more, they could fly? Well, with an Asian building, anything is possible. I want to ride mine around like a witch's broom. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Play some Quidditch? Yes. I'll be the golden snitch. Try to catch me. <laughs> I should have said golden snatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see here. So, yeah, I definitely i am on board with the possible evolution of us as aliens. Uh... I have another theory that kind of goes off of that, though. So let's say they are us from the future and that they're coming back because there's some sort of genetic mutation that's going down in their time. And they feel through their smart studies that it's 
our time in which the mutation starts to develop. So they're taking us to see how to fix that problem before it be- gets to their time again. Ooh, I like that. Yes, yeah, definitely one I often think about is like, why do you take us? I mean, why? Unless you are us and you're curious about us. Because if I was an alien, I would want to see what... Hell, I'm not even an alien, but I want to see what the ancient Egyptians were like back then. I mean, you know if you met somebody from the past, like ancient past, they would be a 100% different vibe than meeting a person today. Yeah. I have a th- I have a theory about Bigfoot that I got to write down real quick. Yeah, write it down. I'm just reading over my theory to see how I can, since you already covered a lot of it in yours, I can't have all the good ones. So with our bodies evolving with technology, kind of like you were mentioning earlier, uh, you got to think with as much as we use our hands, our fingers would become longer and skinnier. Um, Our bodies would become slender because when you're dealing with zero gravity, you don't want to have all the uh, muscle and bone that we have. You want to be really light. And then something I've also thought about is if you ever think about cases of alien encounters, they all look the same. And do you think that that's because we've evolved to a point where we learned that we will never get past racism unless we are all identical? Yeah, maybe that's what North Korea is heading towards. Daniel, we got to send you over on a covert mission. Yes. I'm sorry, but I don't have the right ice uh, angle. The right eye angle? Yeah. No, but, I mean, ending racism, if anybody can do it, it's aliens. Well, think about how sad that is to think that it never gets better to a point where we have to genetically modify our bodies to be all the same, so there's no discrimination of any sort. That is really sad. Yeah. So, another thing with us talking about all these UFO sightings in the past... I have this other hypothesis that when people reported seeing UFOs in the past, they always seem to be a bit more janky than the versions you see today. If you see how technology is evolving today, it wouldn't be surprising to see UFOs evolving from 1950 to 2020. So that makes me wonder, does that show evidence of aliens manipulating us to better themselves because they are us, and it shows that through bettering technology practices that we do become a, a more intelligent species. When they do manipulate us and make us smarter, it makes their technology better because they are propelling us to a better position for themselves, because it is us. This came to me today, by the way, through this research. You are blowing my mind. I know. So, I mean, look how fast technology develops. You want to think about something that's really mind-blowing? 1908. The first car that was available for mass, for the masses rolls out. Or before then, most people were pulled in horse-drawn carriages, like our story earlier, just a few years before this. In just a mere 60 Years later, we made our first steps on the moon, allegedly. But think about it. In only 60 years, what we accomplished. 
from horse-drawn carriages to fucking being in space. We have no limits to what we could be like a million years from now. I always wonder about that when it comes to video games. When you take a look at Nintendo 64 and then you take a look at PlayStation 2 when it came out, I was like, oh man, PlayStation 2 graphics, they're the future. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sitting there and I throw on Grand Theft Auto on my PS4 and I'm like, man, these graphics are pretty damn good. But I wonder how good they're going to be like in 20 years because they already made leaps and bounds in those 20 years. Yeah. Hmm. Your theory is good. Your theory is good. I like it. I, I like it. I've never heard of them manipulating us to better themselves. Yeah. Because they are us. I mean, why? We are stupid. We are cave people to these aliens. Why else would a being, an intergalactic being, come to planet Earth to study stupid things when there are probably some incredible discoveries to be found out in that world? That's true. That's one of the main problems that I have with the whole Anunnaki thing, how it said that the Anunnaki made us as slaves to mine gold, or they enslaved us to mine gold. Why the hell would they need gold in the first place from Earth? They have planets out there that are made of gold. That's very true. It's like the least efficient thing to do (laughs) is to get us to make the gold. There's way more efficient ways to do it in the galaxy, which that's my biggest issue with the Anunnaki. I mean, maybe there is some other form or other use for gold that we just don't know about yet. But uh, I I really do like your theory or your hypothesis, because the more you think about it, we probably say this to ourselves every day. If I could go back in time and change this one thing to make my life better now. Ooh, yeah. shit. I mean, when you were saying that, that popped in my head. I'm just like, we wish, well, I'm not going to say everyone does it. Like, you have a bad day. You wish you could go back in time and fix whatever happened. Maybe our future is that bad, and they're just like, man, we need to go back in time and fix this shit. And that's them just popping up out of nowhere. Hey, look at us. Fix this. I mean, we've had the worst year that we've ever had so far in our lives. And in the worst year of our lives, our future ancestor-type people have now officially been told exist like and no one has acknowledged nobody is talking about the fact that now it has been told ufos are a a thing that is legit i'm actually surprised we didn't go over his story now that we're talking about it the um captain farva farva there's a dude who saw tic tac spaceship that was a navy pilot and they caught it all on their technology shit And they're discussing it. There's video of this whole situation. And on uh, Rogan, this guy was on there. So this is how I heard about this. But uh, he's like, I don't know what it was. I don't believe in UFOs. But I'm telling you, I saw something different than what I normally see. It was not a normal flying device. It flew in patterns that are not normal for a plane. And it disappeared at times. And so... It just came out that that video is actually a real video. It is declassified, real, 
It is now public knowledge that UFOs do exist, and now we have a Space Force team that we basically have Star Trek going down. I mean, shit's getting real. We pissed off some aliens, and now we're trying to prepare for what's to come. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking outside of this Earth, there's a gigantic galactic council. And that galactic council has said, don't mess with Earth. Let them continue to believe in everything that they believe in. Wait till about 3,000 more years from now when they've, you know, separated themselves from religions and they've, they're not doing war and they're not that aggressive anymore. And then you, you can bring them into the table, have a lead person be on the galactic council, and then introduce them to the other races of the universe. But if you introduce them to them now too early, they're going to be an absolute maniacs who are going to take AI and introduce it to themselves, and they're going to go to war with all the other races and try to conquer them. And this is why we never get past that step and idiocracy becomes a real thing in real life the movie because we never develop so in a parallel universe idiocracy really happens because let's say the aliens say or the intergalactic beings say you guys are selfish you're not getting that out of your genes or whatever it is you're just not developing out of this mindset so we're not going to save you we're going to let you ride your path of being a human, and essentially we go back in time, and we become more stupid, because if you haven't seen Idiocracy, get your ass up off the couch, go find it somewhere, and go watch it, because you will have your life changed. Maya Rudolph in it, uh, Luke Wilson, Terry Crews, lots of people. Anyways, people of the future 500 years from now are so stupid, because... They basically say a bunch of stupid people have babies because all the smart people are too busy trying to do their careers. And then the world gets overrun by stupid people. And soon they literally don't know that water is for drinking and they water their plants with Gatorade called Brando. Electrolytes. <laughs> Electrolytes. It's got what plants crave. It is hilarious. It is a cult classic that most people have never seen and should. It will change your life. Yeah, it's a great movie. I endorse it. Yeah. Is it cool if I hop into a couple of oh, my yeah. theories real quick? Yeah, okay. dude. So one of the other theories that I had was Bigfoot. Okay. Mm. Ancient humans, when we were back in the Bigfoot stage, aliens were traveling across the universe. They came across us in our prehistoric stage when we were Bigfoots. Picked one of us up, said, hey, let's take them back to our home clone them, bring them back so we can communicate with the other apes or whatever. So they pick up Bigfoot, they take them all the way back to the home, they clone them, they take them back here, they drop them off, and they're like, shit, they've already evolved. The guy's like, damn it, Earl, did you calculate, Earl the alien, did you calculate in the time of, you know, the black hole, the interstellar shit, time dilation, whatever the hell it is, Earl's like, damn it, no, I didn't. Fuck it, let's just leave this Bigfoot here. We made about 12 of them. We made some snow ones, too. Here, let's throw them out. And they just, whoop, kept going. Oh, man. And that's Bigfoot. He's an alien. They littered, is what you're telling me. 
pretty much. They left their, they littered and threw their clones out. That's just one of my theories. Another one of my theories, and this is kind of what you mentioned a little bit about um, them growing us, right? To see where something went wrong or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what if, it's similar, what if we are in the future become this AI advanced killer race, right? We incorporate AI into us. We become this absolute human AI race that starts going through the galaxy and wiping out other races, assuming that there's other races in the galaxy, right? So then these alien races get together and they say, look, we need to figure out what is the weak spot in these advanced AI humans so we can defeat them. So how do we do that? They said, well, let's grow some humans and watch them evolve. And then we can figure out their weak spot by studying them over the years and figure out how to defeat them. So they wrangle up a whole bunch of humans. They put us on a planet way far away from the killer human AI race that's already super evolved, roaming the galaxies, killing everything in its sight. And they're in hollow Earth, hiding out, waiting for that specific point to where they're like, that is the weak spot in them. Now we can use this information, go back and kill the advanced human AI race that's roaming the galaxy, killing everything in sight. Kind of like we're a virus being grown and they're trying to figure out the cure. We're the COVID-19 that's <laughs> you roam in the universe. So aliens are like China because they play the long game. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. While you were saying that, I had this theory that what if aliens are actually the past version of us? Now hear me out. Think about back in the day. I know we'll talk about Puma Puma Punku on a different day, but just think about back in the day, the way that they built things was so much more advanced. They had precision cuts that we see as unheard of for the time, but maybe they actually were ahead of their time, able to travel to this time, but we don't know that now because we've lost that technology because religion and whatnot has made us stop believing in these beings for them to come down to give us this technology. So because they aren't putting their hand into the genetics pot and manipulating us as much, we are becoming more stupid because we aren't utilizing the tools that were given. And so when we see aliens, we see the before evolution of us as now. Because they're more reptilian. They're more basis to before we became humanoids. Humans. Okay. You feel where I'm going with this? Okay. But then some people would say, well, how do they have UFOs if we haven't had them now? Well, that's because their time hasn't got to this time yet or something. And so they can still, they have the ability in that time to go. It's like going to go see a movie. While it's in theater, and then you can't go see that movie anymore once it's gone, but you can go see it while it's there. They still have that technology in their time, so they're going to in playing, they're going riding the roller coaster, they're doing all their things, but we don't have it here because we fucked it up. Anna coming out with the boom 
theories. All right, Dan, let's hear yours. All right. So it took me a while to try to figure something out. And as we're recording this, it came to me. I went back and thought of our episode on Project Bluebeam and 5G. In that episode, we talked about, I guess it was uh, part of Project Bluebeam where they were casting holograms in the sky. Yep. So I'm definitely going the route of the aliens is the government. Okay. Ooh. So they're creating them or that they are, that they just are and they're undercover as human skin. They're more than likely the government, the high political figures and all that stuff. They're probably aliens and maybe like they want to interact with us. So they are slowly doing holograms around. Oh, let's put a UFO here in, uh, you know, Texas. Make Aaron see it. See what he does. You know, testing, testing the reaction of the people out. Just pretty much just like Project Bluebeam. Doing holograms here, holograms there, seeing our what our reaction is, seeing if we're able to handle it. So kind of like an MK Ultra type thing. Yeah. Okay. And desensitizing us to that knowledge. If you see an alien over and over again, next time you see one in person, it's probably gonna scare you as much as had you never seen one ever before. Yeah, like this year, you know, since with the whole pandemic going on and everything, what they released, like, oh, UFOs are real. Yeah. Exactly. No one's, no one's, you know, made a panic of it or anything like, oh God, we got UFOs. No one's really cared. And I think that's the weirdest part. All our lives, we've been wanting to be told, hey, you have seen these UFOs. Now see, like, I don't think the UFOs themselves are probably real. More likely, you know, they're the holograms of just like helicopters, like the holograms placed over helicopters or something like that Mm -hmm. or something. I don't know. But I I think the aliens are there though. I think they're around. Secretly probing people. Mm, they're nasty. Yeah. They're a bunch of freaks. Bunch of short, short green little freaks. <laughs> With long fingers, big feet, small mouths. Don't want no short dick, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Anybody else got anything they want to add before we roll into voicemails and wrap this episode up? I am good. Yeah, I mean, give me 15 minutes and I'm sure I'll come up with another one. But for right now, my uh, brain is tapped. Yep. All right. So that was a great episode over aliens. Yeah, and there's so much that we couldn't even go over. Crop circles, um, ancient civilizations. I mean, but don't worry your pretty little heads. We have a lifetime to do this show. And we will certainly go over those kind of topics. Tons of more topics. Please email us. Just put in your uh, suggestions. We love to see what you guys want to listen to. Yeah, we would love to hear feedback. And we know, just like Anna said, we missed. There's a lot of things to cover. This is a broad topic, right? Aliens. So we just picked out some encounters, told some things. We're going to do a future episode of UFOs, maybe touch on Another Aliens number two, but that'll probably be during season three. Anyway, so I guess let's go ahead and roll to voicemails. All right, our first voicemail comes from Wyatt, and we're going to play that right now. Is it recording? Hello, theories of the third kind. You guys are awesome. Um, just want to let you guys know. You, like, again, you guys are the best Conspiracy Theories podcast ever. I hope you guys all have great days. Peace out. 
Shut the fuck up, mom. I'm doing shit. I'm trying to do stuff. My God. Oh, well, thank you, Wyatt. That was really kind of you. Yes, thank you, Wyatt. Uh, dude, you gotta be cooler to your mom, man. She's just looking out for you. She loves you, dude. You gotta be, That's be right. a little bit cooler to her. Yeah. Stop baiting in front of her. Maybe she wouldn't yell at you. <laughs> Doing that cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the voicemail. Yeah, thank you. We love you. All right, this next voicemail is from Hans, and we'll play that right now. So here I was in the desert of Donna Ana, New Mexico. We were watching the skies out there, testing out some new, you know, air defense missiles. And, uh, you know, out of nowhere, you all of a sudden you see these big, big, big fucking balls of fucking look like fire rise up. But what was strange about it was they appeared up on the radar and they started to actually come towards us. So we went to ping them thinking that, you know, oh, hey, they're helicopters, you know, it'll bring up on the radar what they are. And as soon as we pinged them, they didn't bring anything back. They shot up straight into the sky like they were evading a missile lock. Some crazy stuff happens out there near the Trinity site. So if you want any good conspiracy theories, look out there. And look into all that, what happens out in the White Sands Missile Range. And look into the uh, the theory of uh, the Titanic was a setup. It's a really good theory. So, Daniel, keep me in sexy, my beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Dude, I have to say, he has a really good voice. He does. He has a really good voice, yes. And keep being sexy is beautiful butterfly Daniel. Oh God! I mean, after hearing that, I got to keep being sexy, man. Yeah, I'm the sexy guy with the broken hand, though. <laughs> so that my scars will make me even sexier. Oh yeah. Nice. You know, Hans, I've heard if I I think I know what Titanic one you're talking about. That basically Titanic never sunk, and Olympia was the one who actually sunk, which was its twin. And they claimed it as Titanic so they can get the insurance from the worth of Titanic. Um, But the Olympia already had problems. And so it just kind of worked out really well. But yeah, yeah, thank you, Hans, for the suggestions and for the voicemail. We love you and so does Daniel. Yes, we love you. I mean, the voicemail worked out for this episode, too, with the objects, like balls of fire, just like shoot straight up in the air. Oh, yeah. And that plane came close to the one. It shot straight up and disappeared. You're right. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same type of ball. Maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the next voicemail, which is from Papa Spank. We'll play that right now. So here I was listening to your episode, you know, with that Bigfoot scream. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And uh, so here I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, what if, you know, I understand, like, what if he was just horny and he was coming to take somebody's ass? Or even better, you know, I know he's got hair all over his privates, but, you know, what if he, uh, what if he got his dick tangled up in a thorn bush and was just screaming in pain? And that dude didn't see him because, you know, once you see Bigfoot, you'll never see him again. And so I, I had my friends listen to that sound. I said, what would you have done in that video? They said, I, I would have 
my asshole would have puckered up and I would have been running because I know he would be snapping those trees coming from my butt. So, keep up the good work, guys. Always remember, fuck the haters. Fuck, fuck the government. And keep on spanking it. Oh, God. <laughs> I have a feeling, is that Hans as well? It's They sounded a little similar, but, oh, man, that was a good yeah. one. Yeah. I'm just going back and listening. I could hear the similarity. <sighs> Bigfoot scream. Oh, my God. <laughs> Definitely sounds like the same guy. Yeah. But then Hans might be pissed if he's like, my shit was a real story. You got Bigfoot beaten off over there, and you're trying to say that's my story, too? <laughs> no. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, Papa Spank, who keeps sending those voicemails in. I love voicemails like that. Love them. I can't oh, get enough of those. All right. That's a good question. Was Bigfoot just beaten off? Did he get his hairy dick stuck in a thorn bush? Maybe. Those are all possibilities. I don't know why we even question Bigfoot when Daniel is his campaign manager and he spends a lot of time with him. Couldn't we just ask you, Daniel? Legally, he's not allowed to talk about Bigfoot. Uh, Especially uh, his sexual relations with bushes. I like that. All right. We'll move on to the next voicemail. It is from Dan the Man with the Rapid Hand. So we'll play Dan, that did you right write something in? now. I don't think I did. Hello, uh, Daniel here from Queensland, Australia. So I recently found your podcast. I've listened to a few uh, conspiracy podcasts, didn't like them. Uh, you guys are fantastic. I'm going to give you a five star. You know, you're funny, you're factual, you're inappropriate. Kate, I'm going to set my house on fire just so you can come make it wet. Uh, anyways, uh, it would be cool if you guys could do some stuff on Australia. We've got the Min Min Lights, the Mari Man, uh, the big drawing of an um, Aboriginal in the desert. That's the Mari Man. No one knows how it got there. Uh, we've got Yowies and Bunyips. So they're like the uh, equivalent of the North American Sasquatch. Um, I've got my own little story on that one. Uh yeah, I live near a town called Kilcoy. Uh, in the park there, there's a big statue, a wooden statue of a bu- uh, bunyip. <laughs> Everyone keeps snapping his dick off. Uh, they put it back on and, yeah, they just knock it back off again. So they stop putting it on. Anyways, yeah, we went camping when I was 10 to a town at a town called Blackbutt. You can Google it. That's the real name. Uh, Emu Creek was the campsite. Yowies live in swamps. Anyways, I was the first one up. I was 10. And I was at the creek. It started bubbling and water coming out like a pipe at first. I shit myself. It would have been hilarious. It would have been like Scooby-Doo. You know, my legs were going faster than my body. Anyways, keep up the good work. Hopefully, you can do something um, on those. And that's it. It cut off. It hit the 90-second mark. Uh. we got to up our ability to how long people can record. But that requires funds. So... But thank you, Dan, the man with the rapid hand. Love your voice. Love your story. Yeah. Honestly, I thought you were speaking another language with all the things you were throwing in there. So, um, yeah, we, wowie. Yeah. The me means, like, me, me from Drew Carey's show. That's like a one of a a kind sighting. I don't know if you guys watched that show or not, but I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture in Discord. Okay. Um, but no, that was awesome. All right. Thank you again, Dan the Man. You're awesome. Yes, thank you. You're cool in my book. 
Same name. Nice. Oh, yeah. Except your hand isn't so rapid right now. Oh, it was rapid. That's why it's broke. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, shit. All right. So this next voicemail we're going to listen to is by Young... I don't even know how to pronounce that. I have been saying it. Young Agumon. Agumon. Young Agumon. Agumon. What's going on? Good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening. Um, This is your boy, Young Agumon from Brooklyn. I'm living in the Bronx right now. Hope everybody is doing good. Just showing love to the podcast, people them, you know. Um, Shout out to Kate. Shout out to Aaron. Shout out to Doug, Daniel, Son, fuck all. You know, uh, I fucks with all of y'all heavily. Um, I found, it's crazy. I found the, I found it, I found the podcast on accident. And I'm a heavily, like, I'm just not getting into podcasts. I know I'm super late. It's 2020. Like, the apocalypse is already here. But, you know, better late than never. So, bust it. I'm, you know, downloading y'all shit. I'm listening to the first podcast. I'm loving what I'm hearing. So, I downloaded all of them. So, basically, since it's been quarantine, all I've been doing was smoking my joint. You know what I'm saying? Smoking my shit. And then just, again, listening to y'all undivided attention. I love the subject matter. I love the content. I love the dark humor. I love the sexual humor. Something definitely I could appreciate. Um, You guys are definitely, I feel like in the subject of conspiracies, I haven't, like, I'm still new to podcasts, but I feel as if you guys are definitely, like, leading the pack in that regard because, you know, it's super engaging. Um, You know, the first few episodes, I was like, all right, so it's only two, it's like two co-hosts. So I'm like hearing older episodes and I hear this girl talking. I'm like, and Kate, I'm not even going to hold you. Like your voice is really amazing. You can do like voiceover work. Like you can definitely do voiceover work if you wanted to. So, you know, you should definitely look into that. But nah, um, I love the subject matter. I love everything that you guys have to say. I like the differing opinions. Um, I definitely feel, and not to dote on Kate, um, but I definitely feel like I like the fact, Kate, that you are more esoteric um, and you're more of, you know, I feel as if you're more of the metaphysical one in the bunch. Um, I like the fact that you knew what a scrying mirror was. A lot of people don't know what scrying mirrors are. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely I definitely would love to. How do I say this? I would love to get. I guess different podcasts or different subjects about maybe cursed uh, items or cursed devices, um, maybe the Ankathera device or Atlantean technology or the lost continent of Mu, um, Admiral Bird. We could fucking talk about him. You understand what I'm saying? We could talk about the hyperdimensional resonator, which is supposedly a time machine. We could talk about all of that, but. Um, you guys are definitely in the right direction. You guys know what the fuck you're talking about. I found my tribe at last. So I definitely appreciate y'all. I hope everybody's family is doing good. I hope everybody is blessed. Hope everybody is doing safe. Um, as well as to like the listeners, as well as, you know, the hosts. So again, this is your boy, Young Aguman, you know, reaching out from New York. Hope everybody is doing good. Um, and yeah, until the next podcast, I got my joint right here waiting for y'all. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully after this is, you know, we could all do a virtual cipher or something like that. You know, be safe, everybody. Young Aguaman. Yo, man. I hope you're safe up there in New York. 
I heard yeah. shit's going crazy up there right now. Yeah, it's pretty heavy there from what I heard, but I will definitely roll one up with you and we will enjoy one. Talk about some crazy shit. I haven't heard of some stuff that you talked about, but I'm in it. Yeah, I'm going to start writing down. I'm going to have to re-listen to that after we get done recording and re-listen to it again and write down some of the stuff he mentioned so I can look into it. The Lost Continent of something. Moo. I didn't catch it. Lost Continent of Moo. Majin Buu? Majin Buu? Like Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. (laughs) No, but seriously, though, thank you for the voicemail. It was great. I love it. I'm glad that you found us, and I'm I'm glad that we can fill your ear holes with uh, enjoyment. And I hope you stay around, because we're going to keep staying around. And if I'm ever up in New York, I'm going to have to fucking blaze it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how that's going to be now after Corona. Because I never thought once about sharing a blunt with somebody. Oh. Even though, like, you know you licked that shit up to roll it up. They never question it. Yeah, I... uh, Maybe we won't share. (laughs) Maybe maybe we won't, but I don't know. Maybe this whole thing... I'm not even going to touch on the coronavirus thing. We'll get yanked off Apple iTunes so fast. Yeah, no. I don't know. I'm still a hippie at heart. I don't think I could ever turn down smoking a blunt with somebody. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think I could turn down one either. All right. Well thank you, young Agumon. We love you over here. Much love. All right. Our last voicemail that we're playing this week comes from Dell. And before we play this last one, I just want to let everyone know over the break we've gotten a ton of voicemails. So we just picked out just uh six of them to play today and next week we'll play more and more until we play catch up and we got to do the same thing with reviews because we got a ton of reviews but anyways we're gonna so many. we're gonna play this next one from dell and uh right now they're kind it's dale here from ontario i was just listening to your 50th episode congratulations by the way but I was listening to the one where Brimley from Ontario said that she saw lights in the sky. I saw the exact same ones on the same day in the north north sky. I'm in like northern Ontario. Blind River is my town, I guess. Um, and they one so I so a couple nights before I think I saw a couple like that where they were slowly going across the sky. And then the, then then the one night, I believe the same night she saw it. It was one, and then there were three in a triangle formation falling behind it, almost like they were escorting something or something like that. And they they were moving in a steady pace across the sky, but they were so far away like they were a star, but they weren't flickering at all. I've seen Starlink, Elon Musk Starlink pictures, nothing like that comparative at all. It was like super far away, you could tell. Because of just how the stars were looking from it. And I just watched them go. And then all of a sudden they disappeared in the sky. After a good like. uh, Straight across type of thing. So. It it is something I would assume. And hopefully we can get this figured out. Damn. Thanks Dale for the voicemail. You know what? That, That just adds to my theory. That there's a whole other galactic, intergalactic council, intergalactic races that are out there and not being told. I know. it's That's some good thoughts there. All these voicemails really got me thinking today. Yeah, that's... I'm going to have to dig some more into what that was. 
Brinley, I know, did write us back and say it could have been possible with Starlink, but now Dell says it's nothing like Starlink. So, it is something I'm going to have to dig in deeper more into, but anyways. Alright, so that's the end of the voicemails. Now we're going to go into ratings and reviews. Like I said previously, we have, uh, since we have been off, we have gotten a ton of reviews, which is awesome. I appreciate that. However, the issue that comes with getting that many reviews is that we have to start breaking them up into the episodes until we play complete catch-up. Um, so we're going to be reading off 10 reviews each week because if we read off all the reviews we had gotten over the break, it would take pretty much an entire episode. So anyways, we're going to start off with this first review. It is from Gane Green, left on May 4th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads, Super Fun. They go on to say, I love the rapport you guys have with each other, and you are fun to listen to. Your topics are interesting, and I love the way you guys aren't afraid to have different viewpoints from each other. That's really great. It's also fun when you take a theoretical twist on common conspiracies and explore the extra weird what-ifs. Because sometimes it gets me thinking. Sometimes I can literally hear you guys laughing and making faces at each other about something that strikes you as funny over some random point in the discussion. And it reminds me of hanging out with my friends talking about these weird ideas. That's awesome because I truly believe you guys love what you are doing. That is 100% true. I can honestly say that I love, absolutely love doing this. 100%. So thank you so much, Gang Green, for the five stars and for the love and support, and we love you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I know I'm just getting started, but um, I appreciate everything people say about the show because obviously I was a listener before this, and I mean, they do. Before I came, they definitely got my attention. They speak well, and they always tickle your pineal gland. Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. Now I get to have a little fun with your glands. Ooh. Ooh. The anal gland. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Our next review is from Sid the Kid. He's from the United States, left on May 4th, titled Literal at Best Conspiracy Podcast, given five stars. Between the great dynamic of the host and the dark humor involved, this is one of the best conspiracy podcasts I've found. You guys are awesome. Keep bringing the truth to us weirdos out here. So excited for season two. Can't wait to see you guys, or can't wait to see what you guys bring out. Hashtag Bigfoot 2020. Fuck yes. Nice. Thank you, yeah. Sid Kid. Love you. And if you really love the hashtag Bigfoot 2020, make sure you check out our merch because we have a shit ton of Bigfoot stuff for you. Boom. There it is. Oh, yeah. So this one comes from Lee the Sewing Queen. She left us five stars, titled Love, Love, Love. I started this podcast on Thursday at work, and I was hooked after the first one I listened to. I really love how the hosts have a unique take on everything, and there are healthy debates and differences in opinions. It gives us so much to think about and consider with all these topics. Some I agree with, some I don't but I'm definitely still open to listening to. And it's the same with them. This is my favorite podcast by far. Definitely one to check out. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Queen. Yeah. I love that. Lee the Sewing Queen. You're the best. 
All right. This next one it comes from Canada, left on May 5th. It is from Tamania. Sure, I pronounced that wrong. It is four stars with a subject line that reads interesting and unknown. They go on to say, love listening to the podcast, interesting topics, and good commentary between hosts. Just found it and glad I did. Thank you. That's awesome. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I love you and I love Canada. All right. Our next uh, review is from James Realmwalker from Sweden, left on May 6th, 2020. Titled Quality Time with five stars. Damn good and entertaining show. Feels like hanging out with friends who have some proper knowledge and always a fun and easy way to talk about things that in most other cases are just hush hush. Really liking it. Thanks, James Realm Realm Walker. Ooh, what a name. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. What realm are you walking? All right. of them. All right. So this one is from Herman 8. Well, actually, I think he's Herman with the smiley face with the 8 as the eyes. But it's from Australia. This was left on May 7th. Best podcast, five stars. Awesome show. And the content is always thoroughly researched. Great job, guys. And I always look forward to the new episode. Scott from Australia. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. the love from all the way over there. All right. This next review is back in the United States. It is from iTony08. It was left on May 7th, and it is five stars with a subject line that reads, Great show. They go on to say, love the show, intro, everything, great background info, and personal theories. Hope you all are staying safe. Thank you, Tony, for the five stars, for the love, and I hope you're staying safe, brother. Yeah. That's right. Let me tell you something, brother. I hope you're staying safe. <laughs> We're fortunate that our job is already a social distancing friendly job. Mm-hmm. For now, till I get close. To Aaron over there. Come over here. I'm about to strip butt naked. It's hot in here. <laughs> All right. So our next review is left by Ecta80 from the Netherlands. Left on May 8th. Titled Funny and Interesting Best Podcast. With five stars. I'm glad I didn't listen to episode 50 at night. Freaked me the F out. Smiley face. Love your podcast. Yeah, that scream was scary, huh? Dude, those noises? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Ecta80, so much for the love. And I'm sorry uh, if it freaked you out. But you can always come cuddle with all of us. Oh, yeah. Come on. We got a big uh, double California king-size bed for everybody. Yep. All right. So our next one that we have is from... Chris Jones the Great. Uh, it's from the good old U.S. It was left on May 8th, titled A Great Listen. He goes on to say, wanted to take a moment to note my joy after finding this show. Hosts are good, not too chatty, and they aren't obnoxious. Great hosts who maintain consistent content. Well, thank you, Chris Jones the Great. That's definitely something we are pushing and striving for this season. We want to be consistent for all of you. Yep. Exactly. Anna took, took the words right out of my mouth. Consistent. That is one main thing that I was pushing this season is we have to stay consistent. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for that, Chris Jones. The great. Don't forget. Yes, thank you. Yep. All right. This last one for this week, since we're only doing 10 a week, is from DJ218. It was left on May 8th. And it is five stars. The subject line that reads best out of three, three, not five, three, and three ain't bad. When looking for a paranormal podcast, I tried about three. This podcast and a few others. This was the best out of the three, easily. They care, they put in the time, and have passion for what they provide for us to listen to. That's why I listen. Nice. Thank you, uh, thank you, DJ. I definitely, or we all definitely put in passion into this, and I'm glad that you can see it. We love what we do, and we'll continue to pour passion into it. Yes, thank you so much. We love you. Keep writing in. We appreciate it. Yep. Yes, much love. Thank you for the five stars. All right. And that's the 10 reviews for this week. We'll keep doing 10 each week until we're all caught up. All right. Now we're moving on to shout outs. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Simon S. He's a guy from England uh, who sent us a badass email on April 29th. It was one of those things where the email kind of fell in the email black hole and I found it when going through emails and I was like, oh shit, I missed this email. I apologize. And I just wanted to say, give you a shout out, Simon S and all that. So the next shout out we have is to young Agamon. We listened to him on voicemail or on one of the voicemails earlier, but he sent us a long ass email, bunch of great info, awesome stuff, good angles on the Oakville blob story that you showed us. Awesome. We love you. Keep sending in the emails. So uh, thank you again, and we love you. Yes, thank you so much. I know, Anna, you have one Twitter shout-out, and I have another shout-out I want to give, but I'm going to save that one until the end of your Twitter shout-out. For sure. Um, I mean, it's like the man of the hour tonight, young Aguman. Uh, he gave some good suggestions on Twitter, but he wrote us and said, man, when I tell you I fucks with you guys heavy, fuck yeah, I don't give a fuck. You guys think like me. I appreciate listening to you guys dead ass. Keep the content coming. And if you're going to do merch, just include a coffee mug or a tote so I can buy it. LOL. Can't wait for, for June 4th. Keep up the good work, guys. Maximum respect. Thank you, young Agumon. Man, it's been nice talking with you, and I definitely have enjoyed taking over the Twitter and getting to know the people that are on there. So we are pushing to get that Twitter going even more. Please jump on there. Talk to me. I want to get to know you guys. So real quick before this last shout out, just like Anna mentioned, she is now the Twitter ruler. So Daniel has relinquished his power of Twitter over to Anna. So if you want to get a hold of her, you can either email her at Anna at theories of the third kind dot com. We got new email servers, so she will be able to respond and we'll be able to receive the emails. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Dan, he has taken over the Facebook. So you can go to our Facebook and talk to Dan and send him all your naked pictures on there. Or you can just send them to him at his dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. Surprise me. 
Surprise me, guys. Surprise. <laughs> and if you want to get a hold of me, of course, I'm still on Instagram. You can shoot me a message. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, we get a ton of messages, but I try to respond to everyone. But I just want to let you guys know that that's how the social medias are working now. On to this last shout out is for Jonathan A. I just wanted to congratulate him. He wrote us an email. He said that him and his wife are expecting their first child. And I just wanted to give him a shout out and a shout out to him and his family. Let them know that the best of wishes were sending them nothing but good energy. And uh, that I hope everything comes out good. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. I hope <laughs> everything comes out good. Hope everything just slides right on out good. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you would name your child Sasha, first name, Quatch, Sasasquatch. Squatch. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, seriously, though, if, if it is a boy, Aaron is a great name. Um, I heard Dan was a better name, but you know, Aaron Danielson. Danielson's a great middle name. Okay, okay, I'll I'll go with that one. Oh, and if it's a girl, Erana (laughs) Danielson. Danielson. Yes. Erana Danielson. There you go. (laughs) See, naming kids out here. Right. Ten years. That's going to be the trending names. But anyways, shout out to you, Jonathan, to you, your family and your wife, your all your family, friends, everybody. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody who has been writing us, been showing us support. We love you. Uh, again, if you can't get enough of us for some odd reason and you want to support us, you can head over to our Patreon and pay $5 per month and you can get an extra episode a week. Right now, our Patreon's live and it has two extra episodes on it, Clinton Body Count and... Dreams. 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 So if you want to learn about dreams and the Clinton body count, go over, check it out, sign up. Five bucks a month. It goes to getting us better equipment, getting us more media hosting, all that good stuff. If you've already done that and you want to support us even more, you can go check out our merchandise on theoriesofthethirdkind.com. Click on the shop button and there you can check out all of that good stuff and place an order and get whatever you want. So any of y'all got anything you want to say before we roll off? Oh, since I'm taking over Facebook, guys. If you send a message, I will try my best to reply back to you and not have that automated message just reply back to you because I know it's... I've tried turning that automated message off, but it keeps for some odd reason turning itself back on. Yeah, so I'm going to try to work on that. So I will try my best to reply to everyone. I will try to be as active as I can on it. Do not be afraid to message me on there. If you want to talk shit to me, bring it on. If you want to talk shit about Aaron, we can talk shit about Aaron together. (laughs) yes all right well i just want to say it is amazing to be back for season two it was a i wouldn't say it was a relaxing break because we spent the entire break prepping for season two which i don't have a problem with that because i love doing this but i can't wait for what's to come for season two we've made our preparations we've aligned our battleships And we're ready to go to war with the Illuminati. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing individuals, every single one of you. So Dan and Anna, would you do us the pleasure and roll us out? Hell yeah. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. (laughs) 